Good afternoon and happy Monday, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, you can also reach out through the KPL app chat. In fact, typing in the address now so I can have that up and ready to go on this fun-filled Monday afternoon. Okay, so I went to the uh, press event that Holden Hoggett held today where uh, Charles Bustani, John Bro, and Chris John endorsed him. Former congressmen, three former congressmen from the area who came and endorsed Holden Hoggett against Representative Clay Higgins. And it's very clear that the track the campaign wants to take is community centric. And remember, I, I talked about this last week when I was talking about the, the state Senate race in North Louisiana, where the concern for people in that particular Senate district is about representing the community. Because it's easy to send somebody to a far off capital and have them talk about the big issues of the day in a partisan manner. But are you actually going to be able to bring back to your community? the things they elected you to take care of because not everybody who goes to vote in one of these elections goes to vote for you to fight these big ideological battles. Sometimes you get voted on by people who really just want you to represent them. Case in point right now, Mark Kelly in Arizona, I'm going to get to his campaign later and some kind of shocking news that came out uh, from Real Clear Politics the other day. But Mark Kelly in Arizona, I played some of the clips from the debate last week. He was taking a very moderate, if not even somewhat conservative stance on needing to discuss immigration, talking about how he was against Joe Biden's immigration policy and this, that and the other. And he's saying all these things because he wants people in Arizona to believe that he is representing their interest when it comes to the border. Will the people of Arizona buy it? I'm not quite sure. But bringing it back home, there are lots of issues locally that a lot of people locally want fixed. And that requires sometimes an elected official to go off to that magical faraway capital and vote on things that bring something back home. And that's the perception. And that's the perception that it appears the Holden Hoggett campaign is going for. So they bring in Charles Bustani, John Bro, and Chris John to talk about Holden Hoggett as it relates to him representing the community. That is the campaign message above all of the messages. Somebody to represent and, by implication, fight for the community. Now, there are multiple issues to take here. The campaign has already hit Clay Higgins on the child support stuff. And they are hitting him on hurricane issues and the fact that places in the district like Lake Charles never really got the support they needed. And they pointed out, or they, they said, you know, when the president comes here, you need to be here to stand and ask the president, ask your colleagues in Congress for that assistance. They are making 
this case. It may be right. It may be wrong. You may think it's fair or unfair. But that is what the campaign is doing. Now, on the flip side of that, today, Clay Higgins is touting his endorsements from top leadership in the U.S. House. As of today, Kevin McCarthy and Steve Scalise have both endorsed Clay Higgins. They are the two top Republicans in the House, the minority leader and the minority whip. One of whom is from here in Louisiana. And if you listen to Moon's show this morning, Moon talked about the fact that pretty much the entire Republican delegation from Louisiana has endorsed their colleague, Clay Higgins. And why wouldn't they? They are all part of the same delegation. They all work together. They all work on these issues for the state. And they are all conservative, and they are all fighting on those same issues time after time. Now, you all have listened to me long enough to know that, frankly, a, a, a Kevin McCarthy endorsement is not something I would want in a particular candidate, although I get it, and I won't hold that endorsement against Clay Higgins. Kevin McCarthy, again, the Republican Party can do so much better, and the fact that they refuse to is a source of constant disappointment for somebody like me. However, you now have dueling endorsements. You have the old guard, the former congressman from the district. And you have the current crop of congressmen from all over the state. And they're endorsing separate people. So what's the actual lay of the land here? As of right now, the polling heavily favors Clay Higgins. And it's going to continue to favor heavily Clay Higgins. It's very difficult to see someone who is not Clay Higgins winning this race, just from a purely analytical perspective. And I know people from both campaigns are listening because they reach out to me. From a purely analytical standpoint right now, Clay Higgins is favored to win. And to be very frank, the numbers indicate he can get out of it without going to a runoff. If, however, Holden Hoggett can get enough votes in the district to be in second place and keep Higgins from, from escaping a runoff, that makes the race a lot more interesting. And there are factors that come into play there, and those are factors that we need to talk about. So let's go ahead and take a break. And let's come back to what is the strategy should this race go to a runoff? What is the strategy? We'll have that and more here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. All right, so Holden Hoggett had a press event today, went to that. Clay Higgins has a town hall meeting uh, on Wednesday night in Brobridge, I'm going to go to that. Just, you know, out of fairness. I actually have had somebody, because uh, I've talked about this race a couple times now, I've actually had somebody reach out and say, why are you talking about this, this campaign as though it has a chance, blah, 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 because that's my job. 
I analyze these sorts of things. I look at these sorts of things. And frankly, I like to look at what's the path of a, a campaign has to take in order to maybe win, even if it's a long shot campaign. And don't get me wrong, Holden Hoggett's campaign is a long shot campaign. However, it is theoretically possible, and I've seen some numbers that show it is theoretically possible to get Clay Higgins below the 50 plus one threshold needed to go to a runoff. So if the midterm election is in November, the runoff would be what, a month later. Can Holden Hoggett or anybody else push Clay Higgins to a runoff? It is entirely possible. So how do you do it? First of all, how do you do it? And this I've mentioned before. Right now, all of the candidates running against Clay Higgins have very little name ID. Hoggett's name ID is building. He's held these events. He had the, uh, the uh, anti-Higgins ad that went viral. Several national news outlets picked up on that one. And so he's getting some name ID. He's forcing coverage of his campaign, which is in turn raising his ID. That is helping him. It's not enough to give him a chance to beat Higgins right out. There's just no chance of that happening. But if he does force it into a runoff, then what happens? Well, he's got to spend the next couple weeks making sure the voters can identify him in a way he wants to be identified. He does not want to go in as the candidate whose only claim to fame has been to attack Higgins. That's not a way you build a coalition to support you. He's got to have some positive name ID out there. He's got to be out there to show what he has done, why he's qualified for it. And that hasn't happened yet, although I've been told that that should be coming soon. That there will be some positive uh, ads coming out to really build up uh, Hoggett. And it's, it's really needed. Typically in a campaign, you build yourself up and then you start tearing down the other person. But given the nature of this particular election, how popular this person is, how much of a long shot it is, you've got to start out by making a splash. It's the same thing that Gary Chambers did, which is why Gary Chambers is in second place and not Luke Mixon when running against John Kennedy. Gary Chambers made a splash. Controversial ads got him on the map. He started pulling in donors. You have kind of the same thing here where Holden Hoggett released this ad. It is an attack ad. It is a frankly very, it's objectively a very good attack ad. You may not like the content of the ad and you may think it's unfair or anything like that, but objectively speaking, attack ads like that are actually pretty good. They get your attention. They tear down the other person. That's what you need in order to keep people from going out to vote for that person. But now you need the positive name ID. So Hoggett's got to do that between now and November. And he's got to continue doing that through November if he gets into a runoff. Because the fact of the matter is his name ID will still be pretty low. 
But if he can get voters to identify those issues that he's running on, the things he's attacking Clay Higgins on, he wants voters informed about Higgins' negatives, and that's why the ad is out there and why more ads will be coming out along similar lines, I think. But you also need that positive name ID. You need to bring the people who did not want to vote for Higgins in the first go round to come to your camp afterwards. Because runoffs have much lower turnout. They do. Historically, they do. You're not going to get Democrats to come vote for you in a runoff election. The Democrats in Louisiana are barely going to show out for this midterm. That's just the fact. So you can't count on the Democrats crossing over to help you. You've got to find disaffected Republicans and you've got to tell them that you are the guy instead of the one in charge. Now, what does Higgins have to do? Higgins doesn't have to do a whole lot. Higgins can continue to point out that he's been endorsed by top Republicans in the House. He can point out that he was endorsed previously by Donald Trump. He can point out that his entire congressional delegation is backing him. And he can talk about things like crime. He was the crime stopper guy. He was the Cajun John Wayne. People remember that. He can talk about crime. He can talk about fentanyl. He can talk about immigration. He can talk about these, these red meat issues. And he can keep things going because a lot of people are angry about these issues right now. And it's not like Higgins has made a bunch of bad votes. He's voted consistently conservative. And in all fairness, when asked what he supports, Hoggett said all of the same things. Those were all the same issues that he wants to focus on as a congressman. So there has to be some other form of separation that Hoggett can pull off while Higgins just has to continue to be himself. That's how this campaign plays out. And again, I don't know. I can't guarantee that Higgins escapes without a runoff. I can't guarantee that he's forced into a a runoff. Can't guarantee either of those things. If you ask me right now, everything is as it is right now, I think Higgins is favored to win without a runoff. Just looking at the very few numbers that are out there. But we are less than a month away and a lot can change. Attack ads, oppo dumps, all of these sorts of things that usually come out. The term October surprise is there for a reason. And if there is an October surprise that is lying in wait, it's going to drop soon. Will it have an impact? I don't know. The impact of these October surprises has lessened over time. That's one of the things that a lot of people don't get about why Republicans are sticking with somebody like Herschel Walker in Georgia. It's not that they're hypocrites. It's that all of this stuff has always come out every single time. Is that person going to continue to vote the way you want them to vote? I don't know that answer. Everybody will assume Clay Higgins does. But is an oppo dump enough to change that? 
We'll see. Lots of factors at play here. Let's take our bottom of the hour news break. When we come back, there's a shocking prediction for November that's come out. I want to talk about that and talk about the midterms nationally when we come back here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542 if you want to call in, be part of the conversation. Had to take my glasses off because I'm, I'm excited moving my head around too much and they were about to fall off my head. Uh, which would be a problem. I think they're my only pair. I don't know what happened to my other pair. I bought two. Not sure what happened to the other ones. I hope you guys had a great weekend, by the way. I'm, I'm going to get into the next subject here in a minute. Um, I went to the Weird Al concert at the Hyman Center this weekend, and that was a stellar show. I'm a huge Weird Al fan, have been for years. And uh, the show was his originals. It wasn't his parodies, but it was the shows where he makes fun of pop culture, he makes fun of genres of music, things like that. And it was just a stellar show. And it's not like it's some big, overly produced concert. It's the Hyman. It, he's just he's sitting there on a stool at the front of the stage next to his guitarist and bass player, keyboardist, drummer behind him, and they're just playing songs. And it's it's awesome. Emo Phillips was the opening act. Emo Phillips, one of my favorite comedians. Now, it's clear that as time has gone by, he's become a little bit bitter. He had some jabs uh, at conservatives, at Republicans, but you kind of expect that in the entertainment industry. The jokes were pretty funny. I mean, even, even if they were poking at my side of the political aisle, some of the jokes were really funny. And it was just an all-around good show. I, I don't know if any of y'all are as big a nerd as I am and went to see it, but it was a good show. And then uh, yesterday, I went to New Iberia. I was one of the many judges for the World Championship Gumbo Cook-Off. I ate a lot of great gumbo, tasted a couple questionable ones. I think the most interesting one I tried was a seafood gumbo that had baby scallops in it. And it it was good, but, one, but I... I there was too much, I think, bay leaf in it. There was a, there was an herbal, there's a strong herbal taste to it that kind of threw off the rest of the seafood taste. But otherwise, it was really good. There was one gumbo. It was super dark. I was in the I was judging uh, some of the melange category, so I was like getting the non traditional, the stuff that's not chicken and sausage. I don't know actually how much of this I'm allowed to say, but whatever. Nobody nobody gave me a nobody made me sign an NDA. Uh, but. Uh, there was one, it, it would have, it would have worked a lot better as like a rice and gravy because the roux was very dark and thick and it was a non-traditional meat, maybe rabbit or something like that and sausage and very smoky. It was great, but they give you just the gumbo. You don't get any rice with it, which makes sense because the rice would fill you up very quick. And we had to sample like nine different gumbos. But it was still a lot of fun, and it's very hard to judge a gumbo cook-off, like, you know, professionally, whatever, because how does it taste? It's gumbo. Like, it's very hard to screw up a gumbo. There's some gumbos you don't like as much as you like others, but there are, there's, there's a lot of good gumbos out there. And so it's like, how do you rate this? Well, I can't give everything a 20 because it's not all gumbo. So they give you criteria, the, the taste, aroma... Uh, texture, basically the texture of the roux, and uh, appearance. And 
the the taste on almost all of them was fairly high. Um, and the aroma was actually fairly hot, a lot of them. The appearance and the texture, some roots thinner, some roots thicker, some a little bit greasier than I liked, but overall, it was stellar. I highly recommend that anybody goes, to, just go to a, even if you're not a judge, go to cook-offs, local cook-offs. Support local cook-offs, but also partake in the food at the cook-offs. What was the crowd, Joe? It was a very big crowd while I was there. I got there about noon on Sunday. It was a multi-day event. Uh, uh, yeah, Saturday was Saturday was the family day. They had a junior gumbo cook-off, but there was lots of activities for kids and everything. And then Sunday was the cook-off for uh, the grown-up teams, the professional teams. And so that was the part I went for was on Sunday. But overall, just stellar. I'm, I'm trying to find more of these local events to go to because I like festivals. We just don't get a chance to go a whole lot because of schedules and everything. But frankly, now that I'm not in school, like, you know, 24-7 teaching or, or anything like that, I have a little bit more time to do those sorts of things. You know, the next one coming up that I'm, I'm really excited for, uh, we go to every year because my, the, the dance school that my daughter goes to, uh, they dance in the parade at the Port Barrett Cracklin Festival. And that's a bunch of different vendors come by, and they you get to buy a little bag of, of their crackling for five bucks. So you get to sample crackling all day. And they make it a point to sell alcohol, even when it's in the morning, which is perfect. So anyway, that's the weekend. That's why I'm in such a great mood, even I'm, even you know talking the, the heavy midterm election stuff. Uh, you know, a nice weekend off from all that really does help. All right, 232-1542 if you want to call in, be part of the conversation. Let's jump to the midterms because Real Clear Politics has a frankly startling prediction that they put out late last week, and it kind of was building up uh, some people talking about it over the weekend. They uh, are right now predicting that the GOP picks up two seats in the midterms for the Senate, and that's a big deal because of where they're predicting the wins and losses to be. So we have we have the usual expectations. Okay. Um we know that like Louisiana is going to stay Republican. John Kennedy escapes without a runoff, more than likely. Uh, you know, other places you can expect them. Illinois expect that to be to stay Democrat. Right now, uh, California expect that Senate seat to stay Democrat. Those sorts of things. But there are some toss-up states. There are some swing states that are in play. The ones that I've been talking about most are Georgia, Pennsylvania, Arizona, and Nevada. To a lesser extent, Wisconsin. I a lot of people were worried Ron Johnson wasn't going to win re-election. I figured he would, and the polling seems to be bearing that out right now. But Real Clear Politics has this prediction out. They show the Democrats keeping Georgia, but losing Arizona and Nevada. And they have the Republicans keeping Pennsylvania. Now, if that holds up, that puts the Republicans at 52 seats and it gets worse for the Democrats because 2024 is an even worse year for Democrats in terms of purple state Democrats being up for reelection and not all of them have decided they're going to run for reelection. 
So here's the breakdown. Last week was a bad week for the Herschel Walker campaign, although you didn't hear much over the weekend. And one of the reasons for that is the fact that NBC News dropped a story on Friday evening that shows Herschel Walker really knew nothing about... I mean, Herschel Walker is den still denying the claim that he tried to pressure somebody into having an abortion, but he really didn't know who this woman was. But he's confirmed the identity. Why is that? He acknowledged, basically, yes, I was in a relationship with this woman. We know this because of text messages that were released showing this woman and Herschel Walker's wife texting back and forth frequently. They've been texting on and off for years. They were, they're actually on friendly terms. The woman who is, who, who is claiming that Herschel Walker paid for her abortion, this same woman sent a congratulatory text to Herschel Walker's wife saying, so happy for y'all, etc." when he won the nomination. So they've been on friendly terms up until recently. Now, this particular woman is now saying that Herschel Walker paid for her to have an abortion and her evidence is a receipt for an abortion, which is kind of weird to keep after all these years, a check that doesn't specify is for an abortion and a get well card signed with his name. That's the evidence. And that's what the Daily Beast dropped in their in their uh, oppo dump last week. NBC News is saying, well, Herschel Walker is still denying it. He now knows who the woman is. The campaign has confirmed the identity of the woman, and they've released these text messages to show that this woman was on friendly terms with Herschel Walker's family. Which raises more questions. It actually diffuses a lot of this. And I know the reporter behind the story, and he's a good reporter. Mark Caputo at NBC News is a great reporter. And he's not just throwing something out there. He's not doing it for the sake of Republicans. He's not doing it for the sake of Democrats. He expects to be attacked by Democrats, I assume, because he's been writing these neutral stories, and the Democrats hate neutral stories. But Herschel Walker did suffer a bad week, and he started to lag behind even further in the polling. So let's say he loses Georgia. The interesting thing about this prediction, this prediction from Real Clear Politics, and we're going to take a break and we'll go into it further, is that it presumes Pennsylvania and Arizona stay red despite the fact that both the Republican candidates there are lagging behind by a few points. Let's talk about why. Let's take a break. When we come back, let's talk about why Republicans think Arizona and Pennsylvania might side with them, even though they're behind in the polls right now. 232-1542 is the number if you want to call in, send a message through the app chat. We'll be back in just a moment here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL, 232-1542, if you want to be part of the conversation. So let's talk about these races real quick, because I'm... I'm looking at them, and there's this, there's there's an Associated Press story that came out today that plays into kind of what we're talking about here. If the Republicans are actually going to hold on to Pennsylvania and flip Arizona, what's the what's causing it? And I really think it's Democrats ignoring the key issues. Mark Kelly is trying to say that he's tough on immigration, but he has voted in lockstep with. Joe Biden. 
the people of Arizona care about that. Blake Masters, frankly, had a very good debate performance the other night. Is that going to be enough? I don't know. He's still lagging behind the polls by a few points. In fact, real quick, let me just... Oh, shoot. That was the wrong thing. Uh, here we go. Are the, I didn't see any, latest, any of the latest polls today. So let's look and see what is in... Okay. So I, I failed to mention... When I was talking about swing states earlier, I failed to mention Ohio. J.D. Vance is running... Uh, he's running for Senate there, and he's actually ahead. Uh, in fact... Uh, Am Greatness Signal, that's a Republican-leaning poll, has Vance up too. And Vance has been fairly regularly kind of leading in this race. There are a couple, uh, Spectrum News Siena and Cincinnati Inquirer Suffolk that have had uh, his opponent, Tim Ryan, up. But for the most part, J.D. Vance has been winning. I suspect that one's actually going to stay. Uh, that, that one's going to be a J.D. Vance uh, seat. But let's let's look at Nevada, for example. Let's look at Nevada and the the Democratic candidate there, Catherine Cortez Masto, is losing to a Republican in Nevada. This isn't some purple state. Some of the Democrats want to claim it is, but it's not a purple state. This is a blue state. This is the state with the famed Harry Reid machine. And the Harry Reid machine is losing its grip on Hispanic voters. Hispanic voters are very much worried about the border crisis. They are worried about the economy. They are worried about social issues. You know what they're not worried about? The one thing that Catherine Cortez Masso has made her campaign about, abortion. The Democrats have tried to make the Dobbs case, the overturning of Roe versus Wade, that they've made that the thing that they want to use to rally the troops. And it's not working. The Associated Press earlier today Nevada Senate race tests potency of abortion focus for Dems. Here's the money quote. And if it's a money quote talking about where Democrats are screwing up, oftentimes James Carville's involved. Love James Carville when he talks about the Democrats. He's entertaining when he's talking about Republicans too. But when he's talking about the Democrats, when he's offering them advice, Democrats should be taking it. A lot of these consultants, he says, think all we have to do is run abortion spots that will win for us. I don't think so. It's a good issue, but if you just sit there and they're pummeling you on crime and pummeling you on the cost of living, you've got to be more aggressive than just yelling abortion every other word. Carville's right. But that's what Catherine Cortez Masto is doing. They're focusing on abortion. They're ignoring those kitchen table issues. They're ignoring the crime issue. They're ignoring all of these other things to focus on this one rallying cry that's not escaping their bubble. In Arizona, crime, immigration, water. Talked about this the other day. Water distribution, the water issue in Arizona is a big deal to voters. And Blake Masters had a great line. He, he accused Mark Kelly being the third senator from California. That is a devastating line to Arizonans because California gets access to all sorts of water reserves and Arizona doesn't because they don't have a senator who's fighting for it. At least that's the perception in Arizona. In Pennsylvania, there is a piece at the New Yorker today. The vulnerability of John Fetterman. John Fetterman could not complete an interview in person. 
John Fetterman had to do an interview through Google Meets or Zoom or something like that because he had to have closed captions turned on. He's supposed to debate Mehmet Oz. But his campaign is demanding that the questions be in right there, there be a teleprompter that has the questions pop up in front of him so that he can read it. But if you hear him talk in campaign rallies and speeches, he's veering off. He's not maintaining a train of thought. Fetterman's got some cognitive issues that voters are becoming aware of and they are turning away. That, combined with the crime issue in Pennsylvania, is sending more and more voters to Mehmet Oz. Oz is polling about three or four points back. Can that flip? I think so. But you have Nevada. Looks like it's going to flip. So even if Pennsylvania flips, you're still 50-50. But what if they get... Arizona. What if the Republicans get Arizona? That's 51. What if they do manage to flip Georgia? That's 52. What if they fail to get Georgia, but they keep Pennsylvania? 52. What if, in an incredible amount of luck, they get Arizona and keep Pennsylvania and get Georgia? 53. That is a very bad situation for the Democrats. You thought Joe Biden was a lame duck in the first half of his first term. Just imagine what he's going to do with nothing but a Republican House and a Republican Senate against him. The Democrats have a problem. And it doesn't matter. This is what I was going on about earlier. It does not matter the quality of the Republican candidates because every conservative right now is making a calculated decision. Every other conservative. I don't have to worry about it. They're all making this one calculation. Am I going to vote for this person who may be flawed but not get the policies that I hate? Then they're going to make that vote every time. And if moderate voters feel the same way, it's game over for Democrats. All right, that's it for me. 23 hours until I'm back. You guys have a great day. In the meantime, follow me on Twitter at Joe P. Cunningham, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. You can email me Joe at RedState.com and sign up for the daily show notes at JoeCunninghamShow.substack.com. Talk to you guys again soon. Shannon is offsides next here on News Talk 96.5 KPL.